Welcome everyone. I'm Kevin Miller and this is The Ziggler Show, inspired by the grandfather of inspiration himself, Zig Ziggler. We've surpassed 40 million downloads because we bring messages that help people make the change they need to get the results they want. In this episode, I have a special edition. Instead of our normal Q&A, I'm actually coming to you solo with a message that's just been on my heart, uh, in my mind, uh, much the same as episode 713 was. That was titled, uh, Understand These Five Attributes and Nail Down Your Healthy Habits, which interestingly was an episode that was shared more than any had been in recent times. So this is another message that gets to the root issues of our personal growth or lack thereof. And I've titled it Be Becoming, uh, the core of your personal achievement. My business partner and co-host of our new podcast, The True Life Show, Dr. Randy James, he actually coined this term for me. He often talks of his own desire to be the kind of guy who is always becoming a better version of himself. It has us both then in the mindset that we are always being becoming something, uh, hopefully better. Uh, and that's the point. We either are better or becoming worse. The impetus for this specific message I'm about to bring to you was from a note I actually started and sent to my adult kids, and it was titled, What Do You Want? And looking at the key areas of life and life success, such as the seven spokes in the Ziegler Wheel of Life, I'm so aware of the immense value and necessity, if you want to be successful and fulfilled and have a meaningful life, to be aware of just that. What do you want? And having even a simple idea in each spoke is dramatically powerful. So let's set aside the whole goals and planning and here merely just take a moment to ask yourself and consider for a moment if there is anything you want. What is it? Hey, a quick call out. Uh, the last review for the Ziggler show on iTunes has a four-star review and it said this, great content, but the quality of the sound needs to be fixed. You need a high pass filter or something. The S's are piercing. Well, first off, I want to say to whoever did that, I hear you. I, I, I hear you. It's me doing that. I do. I make these hard S's. So I, I listen to you. I added a high pass filter. So I say, thank you. And I just want all of you guys to know, I listen to your feedback. Now, however, I'd be incredibly grateful for anyone who would bump that less than five-star review down. If you think it's warranted, give us a, a review there and let me know who you are. If you do that, message me on Facebook at Agent K Miller so I can thank you. Okay, I'll be right with you with this root issue message after I share some products and services I think may be very relevant for you. Okay, friends, what do you want? That's the question here today. We're going to outline it real quick. I am a very driven guy, admittedly, but here's the crux. I regret much of my life has been spent without really establishing before me, one, what I really want, and two, who I want to be. I mean, of course, I had some general guiding perceptions. And as for what it is that I wanted, overall, early on, it was to win bike races. I was a professional cyclist and I didn't want to work for anyone. I grew up with an entrepreneurial dad. It's really all I knew. For one, he got me started in business at an early age. And admittedly, I also had some authority problems and a very high desire to pursue my own visions. Uh, I didn't really have any financial goals. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but those two desires created the primary framework that guided my life. And as for who I wanted to be, well, you know, I wanted to be an elite and winning athlete. That was primary. It was much of my self image, but I also generally wanted to be a good person. I mean, on the positive side, I had a pretty good moral code. 
but I also didn't like conflict and I had an unhealthy desire for people to think well of me. I performed to get accolades and that was a big part of how I really, uh, you know, medicated to some degree my self image. But I think this is most of us. We, we all have some general frameworks of what we want and who we want to be, or maybe even more prevalent, an awareness of what we don't want and who we don't want to be. We, won't, we, we don't want to be homeless or carless or jobless, and we don't want to be mean or creepy or alone. But these are all really broad in general. I mean, think about, this is what hit me as, as an analogy. Think about moving into a new home. I mean, you come in and sure, there are appropriated rooms like the obvious kitchen, dining room, living room, laundry, bed, bath, etc. But let's say, I mean, there really are the same for your life. Again, let's go back to the spokes on the Ziegler wheel of life. There's the physical arena, your health and wellness, family and friends, relationships, mental, financial, spiritual, career, personal. So each appropriated room in your home, though, let's go back to that analogy. You're intentional about how you set things up, right? How you arrange things. I want the living room a certain way that serves my desires, a couch there, a chair here, a picture here, TV there, a table there, uh, in the bedroom, there's a dresser, uh, a bed. I mean, the bathroom, I mean, Hey, that wouldn't be a good place to serve guests, you know, have a lazy boy and a TV in there. I mean, we're going to arrange things so that we can orient ourselves in the way that we want to. And so that people who come over can do that as well. I mean, in the kitchen, we don't put the toaster in the sink and the utensils on top of the fridge. I mean, you get my point. We're pretty intentional. So back to the spokes of our life, why don't we at least have some general arrangement for them. And this goes back to my impetus here is that I realized I have realized for a long time that I've gone through so much of my life without just some general basic arrangement in these all important areas of my life. I mean, bottom line and the point of this message is the more effort we put into these questions, uh, this arrangement of what we want, the more fulfilling and successful our lives are going to be or will at least have the opportunity of being. I mean, how many people in middle age get to the point of seriously wondering, how did I get here? What on earth am I doing here? Uh, just like they, you know, they hate water and humidity and woke up one morning living in Baton Rouge, sitting in a Barca lounger in their bathroom, watching TV. I mean, we live in a home. We, uh, that doesn't happen. We live in a home that we chose for the most part and we arrange the inside of. So again, why aren't we doing the basic arranging of our overall lives in these key areas of success? Uh, and again, just, you know, me realizing how unarranged my life has been. It's a wonder that I've had uh, some relevant successes in my life, but it showcases why there are some areas where I'm not where I want to be at 48 years old. And now this feels acute as I have young adult children going out into the world and I see so blatantly the folly in not having just some basic thoughts in these areas. And I have that fear as a father, gosh, what have I modeled for them? Have I modeled intentionality to this degree? I modeled some great things, you know, the drive and having purpose and caring for people and, and, uh, gosh, just good aspiration and work ethic and yada, yada, hopefully love. But have I modeled just the basic, again, arrangement that's going to help their lives here? I honestly believe there's little I can do to help my kids' lives and my own and yours than to prod us all continually 
to be asking ourselves and clarifying answers to these questions or clarity in these arrangements. Cause like you with your house, sometimes you tire of the arrangement. You want to rearrange whether it's complete move or just swapping the sofa placement with a love seat, but you've got a concept of how you want things and you've set it up accordingly. So first off, what do you want? So here's a walkthrough. Okay. I'm going to use the Ziegler wheel of life, those spokes, and we're going to do a bit of a walkthrough asking, what do you want? And here's a couple points to preface it. It doesn't have to be for all of life. Even if you just think of what do I want in a year or what do I want three to five years from now? Actually, both of those are good to say, what do I want in a year? What do I want three, from, three to five years from now? Maybe the same, but for a lot of people, it'll be a little different and make a list of things you want to have or achieve a year from now, make a list of things you want to have or achieve three to five years from now. And, and another way to look at it is what are you not okay with having not achieved or a reality you're in now that you're not okay with still being in one year from now or three to five years from now that honestly, that piece, that perspective, uh, that's really how I frame a lot of my pursuits is saying, man, I am not okay. If I'm still in this place or I'm not okay, if a year down the road or three to five years down the road, I'm, I'm not, I haven't achieved X, Y, Z. That's what prompted me to build a big house in the national forest way before I had the time, knowledge, or money to do so. But I just couldn't stand the thought of my kids not growing up in that environment. I didn't want the years to pass and I finally could afford it after they were growing and gone. I wanted it now. And that's what prompted me, motivated me to go after it. So here are the spokes. Let's talk about it real quick. Your health, number one, physical. Do you want, this is again, what do you want? Do you want aches and pains or not? Do you want more or less energy and mental clarity? Do you want to look a certain way, bigger, smaller? What matters to you here? Are you okay with aging like the norm with consistently less ability? I mean, this is one of the more tangible spokes where in general, you're either getting better or worse. And to some degree, if you're, if you think you're maintaining, if you're getting older and you're maintaining in a sense, that's getting better. You know, if I can do 15 pull-ups right now at age 48, and I can continue doing that by the time I'm 68, man, I am a rock star. That's progression, even though I'm still doing the same amount, you know, I mean, these stats, especially in America, folks, where I'm standing today are, we are getting worse. Uh, Unless we're actively working to address our health, we are becoming less healthy, which in a massively unfortunate reality has become the norm. It's expected. It used to be, well, hey, you know, now I'm 70 years old, so I can't quite do as much. But man, these days I hear people saying that in their 30s. I mean, it seems like health-wise, 30 is the new 70 as far as ability and what we expect of ourselves. And, and we have the majority of the culture losing their health as they look toward retirement that will likely be spent in a health crisis. So back to, again, what do we want in this area of health? Have we thought about it? Really? I mean, everybody would say, oh, I'd like to feel better and maybe lose some weight. But specifically, what do you want? And again, go to that one to three year. What are you okay? What are you not okay with being at? Or where do you feel like I have got to be at this place? My friend and co-host of the True Life Show podcast, Dr. Randy James, he starts off with his patients asking them, what do they want? Do they want to in the next year, slide into a nursing home or win the Olympics. And of course, most people laugh, but then you see the light go on and they realize, okay, it's probably neither. But the, the big point here is, man, they they haven't thought about it. They may have thought, gosh, I don't want to feel this way, but he's saying, no, what is it that 
you want. He knows the value of that question that they're probably thinking about in specificity for the very first time, just considering what they want. And, you know, going back to my little uh, home analogy, do they want a sofa and a luxurious living room and candles and a blazing fire and a happy family? Or are they going to be okay with a dilapidated fold out you know, plaid stained couch and a rundown basement apartment apartment? And, and Hey, you know, you, you will be so well served. And if I can say this in all humility, go find and for this health aspect, go find the true life show, wherever you get your podcast listen to the first 13 episodes, and you'll be one of the most health informed people on planet earth. I guarantee it will change your perspective and give you so much clarity. It's like listening to Dave Ramsey talk about money and debt. And you just kind of go, Oh my gosh, duh, that's common sense, but it's obviously not common. We, we don't know. We've so far grown away from this. Uh, I admittedly have a big priority here in this, this spoke of health. I love feeling good and I loathe, maybe this is the bigger thing. I loathe feeling bad. Uh, so my motivation stays exorbitantly high here and I have a lot riding on me as provider, as daddy, as husband. I don't know how to not be fully there the next day. Uh, and plus living in athletic life, it's just part of my personal self image. Admittedly, I just feel better about myself overall. My wife knows if she wants a better husband, make sure I'm exercising. The only time in our marriage I faltered here was when we had our first child and we ended up in the hospital for months on end. Our lives just really turned upside down. I quit my role as a professional cyclist and I got to work as daddy and provider. I spent two years at a desk, my, my only uh, two years or my only time as an actual employee. And I rarely ever exercise. I still don't understand how that happened, but I, I did it. And finally, my wife brought bought me a bike and she said, please go train. You're a better person when you're training. And I haven't stopped since my success here fuels for me, everything else. And that doesn't have to be the first and most important spoke for you. I'm not pushing that figure out which one is and let that be a catalyst to help push the other spokes. All right. Second spoke relationships. Again, what do you want? Do you want less than normal or merely normal or better than normal relationships? Truly, it's a valid question. Do you want a relationship with a significant other, with friends? Do you want relationships with people who help you grow for the better as opposed to those who just feed your appetites? Do you want a list of people who you invest in and who invest in you? It's not going to happen unless you work for it. Relationships, that's the point. They do not happen, just happen. I mean, no more than health or financial prosperity. And, you know, for myself, I'm a significant introvert. I can perform as the extrovert, uh, but naturally, I'm happy to be a hermit. I get recharged. Matter of fact, uh, after this recording, I'm actually going on probably a three to four day, just a sabbatical from everything except myself. Uh, not being a daddy, not being a, a husband. I'm going to stay away from the house and I am just going to do some things that fuel and feed me. But I don't naturally seek out relationships. One of my longest term best friends used to show up on my porch with coffee and say he wanted a friendship and he knew it wouldn't happen if it left up to me. It's kind of embarrassing, but thank God for him doing that. My greatest benefit today is working with a best friend. And after a lifetime of having a solo office, I now put myself in close community with other people because I know I need it. My marriage, it's easy to assume is, you know, such a mainstay here. Well, somewhat, I realized not too many years ago that my marriage is one of the least proactive areas of my life. 
really, when I look at all the areas that I'm really seeking to grow in and learn in, that was not the priority. And I suffered for it. I'm better today, but it's still an area I struggle to invest in as much as the other areas of my life. Being a daddy is probably the most proactive and successful area of my relation, my relational life. And I'm pretty floored by knowing how much my parenting programs and influences my kids. But overall today, I know, I, I know a lot of people. I have a golden Rolodex of people I can connect with. It's impressive. But most of the relationships, they don't go real deep. I'm always a guy that's a bit on the outside. Many, of, many people I know have given up on inviting me to things. Partly, I'm an introvert. Partly, it's due that I do have a big family, though I know I also use that as an excuse. And I know I'm losing out. Uh, but again, this is about you. What do you want? What are your propensities? Where do you want to be in a year, in five years? What kind of relationships do you want? How do relationships matter to you? Are you content with a book and a screen? Do you want to have mattered in people's lives? Do you want to have relationships that matter to you? It's just a great thing to write a sentence down, anything about. You are listening to a special edition of The Ziggler Show. Next, I talk through the mental spoke, and the crux here is that most of us, in all truth, are declining mentally in regards to our actual ability. I mean, hearing great knowledge does not, in truth, grow our mental ability, but it can if, and I'm going to dive right back into that after I share some great products and services. Number three is mental, and I'm going to say mental growth. Your mind and your brain is just there waiting for you to daily program it. In one year, most people will have no more mental ability. One year, honestly, the decade can go by or more, and they will not have any more actual mental ability or insight than before. Uh, I mean, do you want to be, again, what do you want? Do you want to be smarter, happier, more at peace, more insightful, more creative? It's just sitting there. Our mind is waiting for programming. But here's the thing that's disappointing even to me. It's not just simply more knowledge. It's we're talking more ability in a year or three to five years. Everyone will have a little more knowledge and experience, of course, but most will show actually a decline in cognitive ability. This is the area of my wife's profession. She's published and published in multiple scientific uh, and I think medical journals as well, but I know scientific where they study cognitive decline and or progress. I mean, your brain and mind truly is a muscle. Do you want to grow your creativity, your critical thinking skills, your intuition, your competence, your self-image, your insight? How about decision making? Or here's the biggie. Do you want to welcome or ward off dementia? and Alzheimer's. And it is not happenstance here, folks, with all due respect. Again, my wife and business partner work in this field. It is far more a result of lifestyle, those things, dementia and Alzheimer's, uh, far more a result of lifestyle than really anything else, far more. And let me candidly tell you this, a lifetime of listening to positive message uh, messages like this. I mean, it's better than negative messages. Of course, I mean, the Ziegler show and the true life show and so many others are going to serve you better than listening to the next NPR serial killer podcast, but they're not going to sharpen your mental ability much more. It's information you are hearing. The growth comes from taking action. 
I mean, you didn't go to college to hear, you went to study and learn and actually achieve. And that's what we've got to do today. If we're going to stay on top mentally, uh, I just read a book and took five pages of notes and I'm now working to apply those to my life and some work initiatives. And I'd be better really to stick on that book for the next year and make changes than to skip on to the next. I mean, granted, be free and read uh, as much as you want and listen to as much as you want. I mean, it is inspiration and that leads to so much goodness in our lives. But when we say, okay, now I do want to actually grow and change and in this sense, grow your mental capacity, you've got to go beyond the mere listening and hearing and into understanding and working it out. A great exercise uh, that I really appreciate is at least once a week, sit down and think of the last week of self-help books or blogs or podcasts, whatever you've read and listened to and ask yourself what stood out. It's a great exercise to sit down with a journal or again, your computer and sit there and think what stood out to me? What do you remember? What do you want to use and apply to yourself? Uh, and again, write that about that. The humbling reality is often you don't remember anything and uh, maybe it's just me. Uh, but I'll, I'll admit that there have been times when I've done this in my own exercise and you know, son of a gun, man, I, I don't remember anything. So I'll go have to go back and pick those books. For me, it's books primarily. Those books back up and go, oh gosh, yes. And often in the books, I'll have made some notes. Oh, okay, yes. And now I do that work of working it out. So uh, again, go back through, do whatever you need to do so that you, that's a great effort to do that weekly exercise or whenever, daily or monthly or sometimes, but to write down some highlights and some thoughts and some things that you want to work out. Again, Mentally, what do you want? Next one, number four, finances. Oh boy, this is my greatest week area. I never had a plan. I'm blown away, folks, by this reality. So I, I hope that uh, you know some people can relate to me that uh, even in great successes in some areas, and that's the point of Zig talking about these the spokes is we got to look for the areas where we're not shored up and have a lumpy wheel and shore them up. This is my lumpy area. I can't, I can't believe that I have been so void in this area for the majority of my life. I didn't have a plan or even thought out desires. Isn't that weird? I always wanted to prove I was about caring and heart and not money. And from that, I really sabotaged my finances. Not only didn't give it much thought, but avoided thinking about it much at all. The only saving grace is I consistently did work at things that brought people value and I did get paid. But again, what do you want uh, to merely get by week to week, month to month? I mean, that's the mediocre norm, again, of our culture and what is expected. And of course, that's the bummer. You get what you expect. Having financial aspirations is wisdom. Not having them is just unwise and immature. I can solidly say that as it's what I have been most of my life financially. And I'm ashamed of that. Being a starving artist or someone who is proud to not make money a focus I honestly believe that is some disillusionment. Uh, Seth Godin did a great service in addressing this and stating that I think it was in his book, Lynchpin, that if you're an artist who can't pay your bills and can't bring your art to the world, then it's, it's pointless. It's not helping anybody, not you, not anybody else. You've got to be able to bring your art to the marketplace. Being in survival mode makes you one of two things. Uh, often you're more focused on money than anyone because you are in survival mode or you're dependent on others who do have financial aspirations and health. And to all those who are just comfortable, are your adequate finances lulling you into mediocrity? 
Financial hardship might help you get after your true art. And those of you making lots of money or who have lots in reserve, how is it affecting your life? Are you using the abundance wisely? Are you proud of your stewardship? And as for our younger generations, my kids, it seems that more and more are focused on wanting to have time and flexibility and meaning and having an authentic life, but possibly fewer I'm seeing have any actual financial goals. And that doesn't end well. So again, folks, here's the spoke of finance. Number four, what is it that you want? Doesn't have to be a novel on this, but some basic things. What are you okay with a year from now, three to five years from now? Next spoke. Number five is spiritual. This area of life uh, seems to me to be at an all-time low for most of humanity. Our God tends to be just whatever's next in our life and whatever we want in the moment and nothing more. And thus we, ha thus we have nothing more. Uh, your belief, folks, our, our beliefs, they run our lives. If life is just about you and your little story, then that's what you will feed and you'll get the crumbs of life. If you believe there's something bigger going on, it will direct and fuel you for realizing something bigger. I mean, on the Ziggler show, I invite leading influencers on and I research them. And I, of course I seek out good people who are really investing in others, but they surely don't believe as I do. Not all of them. And many are vague on God, uh, but they believe in what I experience, my personal belief, God to hold up highest love and humanity, caring and serving. And again, living a story that is greater than just us. Statistically, people seem to function in a very limited capacity when all they perceive is themselves and their own little world. And, and I'm supposed to tread lightly here, but really why? If you were threatened or uber sensitive about my perspective here, I don't think you'd be listening to the Ziggler show at this point. I do want to be, uh, gosh, I want to be caring and accepting of other faiths and perspectives. And that is absolutely my point here. I'm talking about just this aspect again of there being a bigger story. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I am, of course, expected to want to draw everybody to my belief and to be so sad and despairing if they do not have the same belief. And that, again, is a uh, something about that. Some of that in there doesn't ring true to me when I read the context of my Bible, but I'm not going to make a case that will reconcile that. And that's not the point of talking here. What I don't understand is ignoring this area of your life, no more than ignoring your finances or your health or any of these spokes, being unaware. It's no different than asking someone, again, why they live where they do or married to who they are and work at wherever they work. And imagine if somebody replied, gosh, I have no idea, never given it much thought to those questions. I mean, of course that wouldn't happen. We have life on a planet that's full of wonders and people are up in arms about what political party you align with. And I'm blown away. So few, few, so few people are questioning how we got here and what the point is. And if we're accountable to anything for our very lives. So as much as asking what you want in the spiritual aspect of your life, maybe it's just as relevant to ask, what do you believe and what do you want as a spiritual component of your life? Six spoke career. Uh, fewer people today actually have a career. We talk a lot about jobs and they, they're going to have a lot of jobs. We talk about that. And sometimes they'll have different, you know, careers, focal points. But for the most part, we've gotten into a space of working to pay for stuff. So do you want a career, a vocation, an interest, uh, and a pursuit 
The specific application and endeavor doesn't have to be the same forever, but it should be a a thread through all of what you're doing of your talents, your interests, your abilities, the things you care about. And the interesting thing when we step back again and just ask this question, my career, what do I want? Do we want all of our weeks and months and years and decades work to add up to a handful of checks? Or do you actually want to have created or built or served something that adds up to something? I mean, you made a mark. You want to have made a mark, I think, somewhere. We have a culture, again, that's more and more disassociated with the end product or service that they're devoting their time and effort to. And this, I think, adds up to a personal disconnect of pretty high proportions. I mean, if you're an accountant, let's say in an obscure branch working in a high rise in some city, let's say you're working for GM, right? And you ultimately... You help sell cars. I mean, that's what they make. And I hope that that person who would have that job would look at every GM automobile on the road with pride and tell their family as they drive by, hey, I help give people transportation that makes their lives possible. I helped put them in that car right there. It's a good car. Or in some cases, even if you can't connect in that way, do you, does that person take pride in having excellence in their job that helps everyone in the company? Uh, maybe they don't even care about cars, but they know that they're a great asset to their team or division and they serve people well and they're making progress and making a difference. Man, that's great. Beautiful. I mean, in my family, imagine if I died and it didn't matter uh, much to my family that I was gone. My life insurance takes care of the bills, so that's all I was to them. No biggie that I'm now gone. I mean, of course, that's ludicrous for me to be okay with or for any of us to be okay with. But what it began about our work, would it matter if we were gone? Are we easily replaceable? And my point isn't to degrade anyone's work, folks. I mean, if you're working at something you do not enjoy and are struggling with, but you're doing what it takes to put food on the table, you are honored and admired for that, at least by me, for a time, though, for a time not okay long-term for you or the company or anyone. And we know the stats on that, man. It is degrading to your overall person in a massive way. So do what you have to for a period while you find a place where you fit, where you matter or what matters to you. I heard once that if you're working at something you don't enjoy and or aren't the best at, you're stealing someone else's job who would be a great fit and be so grateful for that spot. But likewise, there's a spot for you that someone else has that they may not like. They, it's where you belong. So again, having a career, letting your work add up to something other than just money. Statistically, you're going to make more money in that spot where you belong. All right. Last spoke folks, personal. And this is an interesting one. Your personal interests matter. And I'm saying that on a soapbox because I had to learn it. I got to a point, my wife and I both did a feeling like, gosh, anything we did for ourselves personally was kind of a luxury until we realized the value of it. Uh, They, these interests of ours make us the best of who we are. I mean, I am not simply daddy and I'm not just husband. I'm not just provider. I'm not a show host. I'm not business owner. I'm not boss. I'm not business partner, or I'm not investor. Not just those things. Those are roles. I'm a writer and a creator and an athlete and an adventurer and an artist. And I exist beyond all my duties and roles. If you take away your duties and your role roles and your relationships, either uh, also, who are you and what are you about? I mean, what do you do that makes you fully you that inspires you in my shows where I have these, you know, somewhat famous guests talk through this spoke, the vast majority have very specific and intentional endeavors 
they habitually engage with that help them be the fullness of themselves. Things like dancing and surfing and going to live ball games and painting. And here, check this out. In an upcoming, this is show 734, in an upcoming Q&A show, uh, it's actually episode 736 that I do with Neil Pasricha, he shared this stat. He said Nobel Prize winners are 22 times more likely than their peers to have an unrelated amateur hobby. All kinds of things like sculpting and magic and glass blowing. Isn't that amazing? So one of Neil's habits that he took from that uh, for his personal spoke is trying all kinds of odd endeavors. I think, you know, every week or every month or something, he makes sure that he's doing something totally out of his, uh, not even comfort zone, but just out of his experience, just to expand his mind and experiences. But, uh, you know, what about, what about you? Do you want some personal outlets? Do you have any? So when we ask somebody, gosh, what are your hobbies? That's a question. That's one, again, that my partner, business partner, Dr. Randy James asked about his patients just to understand the context. And when he sees that they don't have anything in there, no hobbies, it's usually a bit of a red flag that their life has gone flat or they're too much of a workaholic or they're just depressed and they kind of lost the joy in anything. And they're just numbing out on medications, whether that's, you know, TV or alcohol alcohol or whatever it may be. So what is something beyond your work, beyond your roles and just your duties that you do something you invest in? Uh, you know, and as I thought about this for myself or think about this for myself, I become so much more cognizant. Again, my wife and I have for the past, I don't know, man, probably not even a decade, you know, for myself, getting out into the woods is key. So I built a house in the national forest to help back that one up. But getting out there is immensely just so valuable to me. Sitting on my back deck in the sun, reading a good book with great music and depending on the time of day, a great cup of coffee or wine, that fills my soul. That's a habitual part of my week that's going to happen at least once, if not more times. A trail run for me out on, a, out on just a remote trail a fast mountain bike ride. That's where I am unfettered. I can go as fast as I want. It's not even about the workout for me. It's just about the speed and the being unfettered from everything. We go kayaking in our high mountain lake, man, being out in the middle of that. Actually, my wife enjoys that more than anybody. She gets out there in the middle and it's just uh, fills her soul to the point of we're looking at a second home somewhere that has warmer water than up here because that is a part of who she is and what she needs. I have a, a tangent of woodworking and I, we live in a good sized plot of land with massive aspen trees and I own a mill and a load of woodworking tools and our home is filled with very raw and natural wood creations, lamps and bunk beds and walls with big sliding barn doors. And in recent weeks, I built a big roof over our front porch that I wanted to do for years. It's really big, about 10 by 10 uh, in uh, you know uh, length and width and the peak reaches probably 14, 15 feet. And I love building from scratch with funky natural wood and just making it up as I go. I generally have a very rudimentary plan, if anything. And it just fulfills fills some creative part of me that I find myself literally losing sleep over at night. I'm just thinking of ideas of how this would fit with this and how I can make this. It's just a part of who I am that I've come to accept and love. And my family loves it because they know that it gives, it fulfills a certain piece of me, but I love to read great, meaningful fiction and nonfiction. I like to write many Saturday mornings when the family's asleep. I sit in our schoolroom on the futon with great coffee and end up writing out some thoughts and ideas. And often they end up in the notes of my kids. And sometimes like this, they end up as a show. Uh, that's where this show originated from. And 
Uh, I have a book that's in the works and a lot of it are those messages that originated on those Saturday mornings. But you get the idea, folks. What are the things that make you who you are? And there's a lot of people who are going to hear this and I hope you're confirmed and validated with some things that you're going after or that you are doing in your life. And I want you to give them more weight. Those are not luxuries. Those are necessities to make you the best of who you are. To, uh, literally, uh, true story in my home, my wife and I do that even my kids do. My kids will have times of going, daddy or mommy, you want you go away. And one of your sabbaticals, you'll be better when you come back. They know that, or they know that when I'm doing, you know, woodwork or something like that, that it, uh, it causes joy to me. And now my kids are being involved in that with me as well. What are those things? Now, some of you are going to hear this though, and realize there's nothing. There's nothing that you're doing anymore. And we're in an age, especially with uh, screens, where we can just be spectators and we spend the time that we would be investing in ourselves, just getting some basic relief, watching a flick, nothing wrong with that, but how much are we doing that? And I'll tell you with my kids, we limit screens dramatically because when we do, they get creative and go create stuff. And uh, we focus a lot about that with kids, but we're not hitting the focus that that is taking away the art of so many people, adults, grownups like us. Uh, but for those of you who are out there who are just working and taking care of people, I want to hold up that there's such value in you taking time to invest in yourself. Again, here, I'm going to say it again. It's not a luxury. It is a necessity. All right, folks, I hope that was a good overview on just these questions of what do you want? Again, this is not to, this is a little bit to uh, give you a break from the thought of making big goals or having a big planning period. And if you sit down and write out one through seven and just have a handful of thoughts and it fills up half a page of paper, you have just put your life at a dramatically higher level than it would otherwise be. It's really, really, really significant. So real briefly though, I want to hit on this. What do you want to be? I'm sorry. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? If you died today, this is what hit me. Some people would gather together for memorial service or funeral to commemorate you. Some will come because you really mattered to them. And some will come out of tradition and feeling they should, an obligation. And some may come for the free food, but they're going to strive to say good things about you because that's what people do at a funeral. It's often not the truth. I've been to funerals of really, truly unkind people and nobody fessed up to the truth. They just sugarcoated everything. And, and I think everybody kind of threw up a little bit in their throats. Sorry about that analogy, but it's, it's really should be daunting for us in the, in truth. We don't care though about our funeral. We're going to be dead. We care about today. Because today, those same people are talking about us or thinking about us, and they're thinking about the honest experience that they have of us, the truth of what they experience with us and what they say. And here's the thing, and I'll say it for myself, and you can accept it for yourself or not. Whatever people are saying about me is my fault. It's my fault. All the negative things that people think about me, they're true and they're my fault. And it's up to me to change those things or change their perspective or keep going along and just not care what they think of me. Uh, I mean, I can think that you're unfair and blame you and play the victim and whatever, but either I care that you feel loved by me or not. And likewise, what I think of you and how I experience you, 
I would say is your fault. Now I'm not talking about everyone folks. I mean, there are going to be people who are unhealthy in your life and hurtful and they want need you to be certain ways that you shouldn't be and don't need to cater to. So I'm not talking about that. I'm, uh, and, and I, I, I understand that I am always a recovering performing people pleaser. I've done that rodeo so much, but overall people who know us have a perception of us and we are responsible for that. So again, who do we want to be? And most people have never, again, like I talked about at the beginning, I thought, gosh, of course I want people to think well of me. And I do care that, that they perceive me as being a caring person. Uh, even if I don't really care, I want to at least be perceived that way. But have I, have we ever really sat down and thought, gosh, what do I want people to say about me, to experience of me, especially the people that I care about? Uh, what would they say at my funeral if it happened today? Uh, was I, am I a good person? Do I care for others? Am I honest and trustworthy? Am I gracious and forgiving? Am I kind? Am I patient? Am I smart? Am I a good listener? Am I insightful? I mean, add your desired attribute there. Think about the people that mean the most to you in your life and write down their attributes and ask yourself, do you want to be that? Do you want, or is anybody thinking about you at all? That could be another one uh, to put in there as well. And even to that, let's say that you actually don't care what others think of you, which I think overall for most people is a lie. But even if we go with that and assume that there's somebody out there that doesn't really care, do you care about having what you want? Because you're generally going to need some other people in order to get what you want. So even if you're just acting and performing, you're still best off to have others experience you in these positive ways. I mean, do you want others to want to be with you? Do you want to share any of life with other people? Do you want others to seek you out for advice? Do you want to be able to have influence? Do you want others to trust you with their hearts and their lives? Or do you want to primarily, again, be alone and on your own in life with the attention of those who only feel obligated? There are so many who fit this category. The only people who give them attention are those that to some degree have to, family members and maybe coworkers. But friend, it's, it's all, it's all on you. It's all on me. It's all on us hundred percent. And it matters. I think dramatically, I mean, what we end up with in life is hundred percent based on who we decide and strive to be. And here's an interesting thing, folks, everybody, we're kind of in this, again, this, I keep saying this, this culture, but we've got some harsh statistics happening in our culture right now. And we have a lot of people who just want to be me. Can I just be me? And you you hear it with angst. Oh, come on. I I don't need to be performing. Can you just, you know, love me for who I am, which to a big degree folks is saying, can I just not make any effort and be my base self and get everything I want, have everything I want. Uh, and the answer is no, it's really not. I mean, here's the truth. You can be loved for just who you are. Sure. But you may not be liked if you don't I mean, you may not, you won't, if you don't make an effort, that's the hitch in this perspective. Love me for just who I am. Sure. Your close relationships should do that. They're obligated to do that. My wife and my kids, they do have my love no matter what done unconditional love. And that's, that's great, right? That's great and true and valiant, but they don't really have my unconditional like. I mean, you get that from nobody and you give it to nobody. That's fair and legit. It's life and humanity. If you want to be liked, you've got to be likable. It's like that thing of, I think Ziggs is well known for saying that if you want friends, then be a friend. I mean, you know, though you should seek 
out those who are kindred spirits, I think for sure, so that you can get to be to a lot of degree, just be yourself. Uh, but even there, uh, you can make yourself unlikable to anyone as well. I have nine kids and some of them I get along with better than my wife does. And some she gets along better with. It sounds bad, right? It's my kids, but my gosh, it's impossible. There's no way I could have nine different humans anywhere that I am perfectly aligned with. And it's okay. We all have to cater to each other. That is part of loving is making an effort, but being liked, it does. It takes effort, just like being good at any task. Nobody showed up on the Wimbledon tennis court, picked up a racket the first time and won the whole thing. And everybody said, holy smokes, that's a natural. No, it's because they trained. And so should we be training for relationships. If we want, as Zig says, winning relationships. And if we want to be known for the kind of person we want to be. So again, we can strive for the obligatory, well, that's not even striving, just have the obligatory love and get and claim that again, kind of, I would say, uh, crumbs of relationships. We're not going to flourish and we get what we give and there's just no escaping it. And my gosh, even thinking about this is some, this is a slippery slope here, but claiming God and claiming that God will never forsake me. And the Bible says that, you know what? I believe it, but I can be a jerk and get rebuked by my God for that behavior. And I will reap the negative consequences here on earth from my fellow humans, even if my God forgives me. Man, I can murder a bunch of folks and God can still love and forgive me. I can still be saved, but I'm going to be in prison for life here on earth and maybe get the death penalty and possibly get murdered by someone in retaliation. I mean, we truly do reap what we sow. Uh, the truth is we're, already, we're all probably reaping more than we truly deserve most of the time already. But the big grand hope, folks, what do you want? Who do you want to be? The big grand hope from this message, we get to take part in it. We get to decide and go after what we want and who we want to be. We have that power and it is powerfully freeing and inspiring. And yet also it's pretty darn daunting and somewhat even scary. Oftentimes we just don't want that response, that much responsibility in and for our lives. We don't want to be so accountable as that leaves us. It harkens back to episode 724, where I asked the question, do you believe your current circumstances are a result of your personal choices? If you didn't hear that show, you may want to listen to it as a companion to this show and this message. But hey, friends, here is to you and giving thought to what you want and who you want to be. It will impact your life possibly more than anything else. Coming up next in episode 735, how to position yourself for blessings. Whoa, blessings right there is a word kind of like success. It has a lot of baggage connected to it. And I do not bring that term to this and this and that focus to this show lightly. But right now, do you feel more or less blessed? And before you think, well, of course, you know, I've got a family and a job and I'm in decent health and uh, you know, count my blessing. Uh, it's not a count your blessings pitch. I mean, right now in your daily day-to-day -day life, uh, are your relationships are all you desire them to be? Are you feeling uh, financially well? Do you feel purposeful and hopeful? How about your just level of ongoing joy? How's your stress level? How's your self-talk? Do you feel like things generally work out for you and fall in your favor? Do you really feel like you are living within a flow of blessing? 
And then the question is to have blessings. And if I can say favor, are there any requirements from us? And I know again, man, that is a dangerous topic because the idea of do this and get that regarding God and blessings has really, really been misused and I'll say violated. So I have a special guest with me to tackle this issue. Back in 2006, I got a hold of a book with a crazy title, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, by a guy named Mark Batterson. He was a pastor of a church in D.C. Today, he's still that pastor, but now with a prolific, best-selling uh, authorship, and he's a speaker. He's got a new book titled Double Blessing, How to Get It and How to Give It, and I did not flip that book open without some reservation, folks. Uh, and right off the bat in our talk, he talks about that prosperity gospel and actually cites that the blessings of God, this is what the blessings of God will complicate your life. So I feel like I brought the tough questions up in this show and it's going to open up some new perspectives for you on how to tangibly orient your life. Well, till then folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. 